Hello and welcome to the monthly Megabyte CEO Barometer. At Megabyte, we support UK scale-up and mid-market software and ICT services companies to develop robust growth strategies, understand their competitive landscape and customer sentiment, benchmark their financial performance and valuation, and identify and track M&A targets. And we do this in three key ways, with proprietary insights and data contained in our subscription research service, through a series of packaged consulting services, and with access to our network of some 500 tech sector CEOs through our events and our expert network. And critically, we deliver these insights and connections with an obsessive attention to independence and impartiality. In this show every month, I analyze the plethora of new data and insight on our platform and the dozens of CEO conversations that we have every month to bring you key financial, trading, transaction and valuation themes from the preceding month and to help you understand what that might mean for the outlook. If you'd like to know more about Megabyte services, the best thing to do is just to head to our website at megabyte.com and hit the Try Megabyte button and our customer team will be really happy to help you out. So here's a quick canter through the key takeaways from this month's Megabyte CEO Barometer. Starting first with industry and trading news, um, it has been quite a difficult month, I think, again, for trading news overall across the sector, although clearly there are variations from sector to sector, subsector to subsector, vertical market to vertical market. But I'd highlight results and trading updates from Kanos and FDM um, during November, which were both fairly negative in, in their outlook and resulted in downgrades to both of those companies and some quite um, heavy share price impact. So I think that, that underpins or underscores really the view of quite a difficult trading environment out there. But there are obviously positive examples, and I'll talk about some of those as we go through the show. The other key kind of news story this month clearly was the boardroom battle at OpenAI and less in, less uh, high profile but equally significant in some ways was Stability AI. For me, if you if you park all the analysis of the drama, actually the key here is the battle between the Axels and the D-cells about how quickly AI will develop. And I think that's a key, that is a key a theme for all of us in the industry, and I'll talk about my views on that as we go through the show. On share prices, it was actually a really positive month for share prices in the UK. We saw an average increase in share prices of 11% um, during November, driven to, to a significant degree by Sage, which is a big um, component of our, of our index, but nevertheless, it was a very positive month. Um, and that has had a positive impact, as you would expect, on valuations, which have come off their lows. Um, if you listened to the show last month, you will have heard me say that uh, valuations in the UK tech sector, quoted tech sector, reached a 10-year low last month. So positive, uh, really, from that perspective. However, deal activity does remain really very quiet. The capital markets, the, the, the green shoots we saw maybe earlier in the year on the capital markets are now um, completely disappeared for now, and there's no deals going on in the capital markets at all to talk about. Um, venture and growth capital does remain still quite challenging. The total amount raised uh, of venture capital raised during the month was down 25% year on year to 360 million, and the number of deals was down by more than half to uh, 22 during November. So really still quite challenging in the venture capital market. More positive, however, in private equity, we continue to see a reasonably positive uh, sort of situation there and outlook. Uh, three management buyouts to talk about during uh, November, but possibly more significantly, four secondary buyouts. Um, those, uh, those of you who listen regularly to the show will know that there's been a real cork in that secondary buyout bottle, um, certainly in the first half of this year, that has been easing. And I think the transaction with Civica announced a couple of weeks ago um, is really very significant. And I'll talk about my views on that uh, as we go through the show. Lastly, M&A volumes, very quiet again during November. Um, deal numbers were down 42% year on year to just 41 transactions. And particularly interesting to me was that ICT services uh, deals were down to just 17 uh, during November. 
uh, and uh, that's probably about a quarter of what it was two years ago, so really quiet, particularly in ICT services. Some evidence of a little bit of pickup in software, interestingly, so that'll be interesting to see how that tracks over the next few months. Just quickly then on the outlook before we crack on with the main element of the show, um, I, I think look, we're obviously continuing to see a deterioration in trading conditions, and I think the share price, negative share price reactions of Kanos and FDM tells you that the market doesn't really uh, still is still a surprised by these downgrades. So we're not quite there yet, I don't think, in the bottom of the cycle, but it is starting to feel like we can start to look through to the recovery. It's just a case of exactly when that recovery will come. And the share price improvement in the month is really interesting because, as you know, the stock market will look through the next few quarters to what it sees beyond that. And the fact that prices were strong in November, I think, is significant in that regard. I will, of course, be bringing you my uh, full list of predictions for 2024 in the January edition of the podcast, so please tune into that. Um, but that's it for the, uh, for the highlights and for some of the key takeaways. Let's get on with the show. So kicking off the show uh, with a, a, a new section, actually, I've had feedback from a number of listeners who have said, why don't you, it'd be good to get your view on some of the key kind of trading and industry news in the preceding month. So I've added this into the show. Hopefully it won't make it too long. I'll probably keep the other sections a little bit shorter than previously to hopefully not increase the overall length of the show in total. So, so really two things to think about here in terms of industry news. First is about the trading news. And I think we've seen some significant um, news over the last few weeks that things are really quite tough, as I mentioned in the key takeaways. And focusing really on Kanos and FDM, which both issued um, results or trading updates during uh, November, and both were relatively downbeat. And I think it's worth just reflecting for a second on two aspects of this. One is, what are the growth rates actually done? And also, what, was the, what are the share price impacts? And I think that the, you know, when you look at Kanos, and look, Kanos and FDM, if you know these businesses, broadly based um, international uh, IT services companies, and I think a really good barometer of what's going on, else, going on more broadly in the industry. Um, it, they almost interestingly, both of them grew in their previous financial year, almost identical rates at 22 and 23%. And following the trading updates uh, in the last few weeks, uh, Kanos is now expected to grow 7% in its current uh, financial year organically, and FDM is expect, expected to be flat. So we've seen a really dramatic deceleration in growth over the last uh, 12 months, which I think these two kind of announcement, announcements encapsulate uh, really well. And I think that the other thing I mentioned was the share price reaction because it's significant from my perspective how much investors are anticipating uh, a weakening environment. And clearly they're not because both uh, Kanos and FDM saw double-digit share price declines on these announcements. So uh, clearly investors are still not quite sure where we are in the cycle and um, still a little bit too optimistic about that. So um, that, those things I think are very significant from a trading perspective. But as ever with the sector, it is, it is, there's never one theme for everybody. And of course, it is a very diverse sector because the customer bases are incredibly diverse. And we have seen um, real mixed trading where, particularly where there are vertical markets that are more, more, um, more uh, insulated from the downturn. So, uh, so something like Traxxas also had a trading update or results, I can't remember which one, during November, which is really robust. And they're still growing um, broadly in line with where they have been. So where you, and that's involved in the kind of rail industry. So if you've got a vertical market that is well insulated and large parts of public sector are still performing very well, I have to say the NHS is a bit of an issue for a lot of people. And that was one of the main reasons Kanos had its, uh, had its warning. Um, but um, elsewhere in public sector, you're seeing some very strong results. And also within our private company coverage, and those of you, those of you who know the Megabyte uh, service will be aware that nearly 90% of the companies we follow are privately owned companies and the relationships we have. And lots of those companies, even in IT consulting, which is arguably the place, the area of the market's been most um, hard hit by the recent trading downturn, 
are trading really well. FSP, uh, just up the road from us in Reading, really strong results and our, our coverage of that uh, is available for subscribers. And Opencast, another one, also trading very well, very public sector focused IT consulting business. Um, and also, you know, back to public markets, I mentioned Sage earlier. Sage, you know, actually accelerating its growth rate in the current year because some of the, uh, some of the changes it's making. So it is a mixed picture, but overall, I think it is fairly clear that demand is still weak and probably still weakening. So um, that's, I think, where we are with the trading news. I think that um, talking about open AI and stability AI, you will, uh, unless you're living under a rock, uh, not have, uh, no, you will have missed, not missed the, uh, the, the boardroom battle at, at open AI particularly, but also stability AI based here in the UK, where there's a similar kind of boardroom row going on, all similar but different, I'll touch on in a minute. To park all of that, I'm not gonna try and repeat all of the things that have gone on in those two companies, because you will have read about it, um, I'm sure. For me, this is a battle for the future of the free future direction of, of, of AI and, the, and, the, and the, the, the speed with which it develops as a technology and as a trend. And you've got these, um, these opposing camps, which I, I guess you've probably read about, particularly in Silicon Valley, but, but elsewhere, where you've got the D cells and the AX cells, those that want to decelerate uh, AI because they fear, uh, they fear that it will uh, cause all sorts of societal issues and they want to hire regulation, slow it down, and make sure that the technology does not end up in the, uh, in the hands of a small number of large corporations. And then you've got the accelerators, the Axels, um, uh, uh, which are those people that want, to, uh, you know, that want to accelerate the development of AI because they see massive societal gains and probably a lot of cash to be made as well. But also to be fair, you know, healthcare and all of the applications of AI uh, where um, you know, it can make a massive difference to outcomes. And Sam Altman, Altman is probably the, 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 the standard bearer for the Axels, having taken what was a effectively a not-for-profit business and weirdly turning it into a for-profit business. And Imad Mostak, who's the, the CEO of Stability AI, is probably the other way around. And Altman's sort of dethroning, defenestration, and then return to OpenAI, I think, puts a massive, it's a massive blow for the D-cells and a massive win for the Axels. And what does this all mean for us? You think, oh, this is all very interesting. It's all happening in Silicon Valley. But it is so fundamental from my perspective. And when we're, I mean, we've been doing this for a while, but when we're advising, when I'm advising boards on product strategy, I've been saying for a while now, ignore the regulatory side. I mean, don't ignore it. If you're interested in it and if you're a D-cell by your moral nature, that's fine, crack on. But I am very clear here that the Axels will win. And the Axels will win because we live in a capitalist society. And when you live in a capitalist society, money is the driver and accelerating AI is all about making money. And I think that the, what we've seen in OpenAI over, open over the last few weeks is, is, is an absolutely critical kind of point in that development. So if you are, uh, and you should be, thinking about your AI strategy, whether it's internally using AI, whether you're a software company, uh, looking at AI uh, to, for your, to enhance your products, or if you're a services company looking at how you can help your, your services cu customers to use AI to improve their businesses, you should be assuming that the Axels will win. That's kind of my point I wanted to make. So that's it on the industry and trading news. I hope you enjoyed that little new thing to the podcast. Um, feedback, always welcome. I will continue um, back to normal service uh, in the next section when I'll talk about what's been going on in the capital markets. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, really positive month for share prices. I mean, some relief there. It's been so brutal for share prices over the last sort of couple of years now. So nice to be able to report on a month where the uh, megabyte universe of about 150 UK listed tech stocks was up on average 11%. 
and the EV EBITDA was up 13% to 11.5 times. So really positive news there. As I mentioned, software has outperformed ICT services quite significantly. 13% um, average share price increase in software and the EV EBITDA up to 12 times, so lifting off that 10-year that low. Um, and I think a real driver for that was a 16% increase in Sage shares during November, which, uh, you know, finally Sage seems to have worked out that it needs to, uh, needs to uh, or should focus on the rule of 40 and, and the financial metrics really improving there at Sage, which shareholders like very much. In ICT, plus 6%, those warnings and downgrades from FDM and Kanos I mentioned have impacted, uh, negatively impacted the performance of ICT, but still a positive story. And the EV EBITDA multiple, EV EBITDA multiple was only up slightly to 9.3 times. For context, the FTSE 250 was up 4% during November, so a good month for the markets overall, um, and, uh, uh, but the tech sector very much outperforming. In the US, the tech-heavy Nasdaq was up 8%, the EV EBITDA there was up 6% to 16 times, and the BVP Cloud Index, you probably won't be surprised to hear, uh, was up ahead of all of them because it's the most volatile um, kind of index and tends to outperform when things are good and underperform when things are bad. That was up 16% in November, and the EV sales multiple, EV sales, not EV EBITDA, was up uh, to over seven times again, where it hasn't been for, for a few months. Sadly though, uh, certainly not for the time being, this positive uh, sentiment in the capital markets is not translating to any deal flow. And for the second month in a row, there were no transactions in the capital markets, UK capital markets to, uh, to reflect on or to, to, to talk about. And what does that mean for the outlook? Well, look, you know, what, what fundamentally needs to happen for us to get, uh, to get more deals coming through in the capital markets is uh, a, a consistent performance, share price performance. So we've had one month of good performance. One swallow does not make a summer, as they say. So we can't read too much into one month. But if we do start to get some consistent share price performance and some returning of some sensible valuations into, into UK listed tech stocks, inevitably we will start to see some more transactions. But I wouldn't, I'm not counting my chickens to use another um, rather tired metaphor. Um, and we'll see how things go next year. I, I called, uh, at the beginning of the year, I called a recovery uh, in capital markets transactions towards the end of this year. That clearly hasn't happened, um, but, it, but I, I'm, I'm now thinking that you know, we should start to see some improvement as we go through the first half of next year. But as I said earlier, I'll be talking about my predictions for next year in January. So that's it. A quick canter through a very mixed picture, really, I guess, in capital markets during November. And I'll talk next about what's happening in private equity, which is pretty positive. As I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, pretty positive in, in private equity during November. Good continuing deal flow. And we've seen a, a pretty positive picture now for a few months in a row. A total of seven transactions um, added to the database during, uh, you know, during the month, during November. Three of them were management buyouts, four of them secondary buyouts, no public to privates actually completed, and no carve-outs in the month. Um, I, I think, as I said, I think this, this, at the top of the show, I think the secondary buyout element of it is probably the most interesting. But just to touch on some of the management buyouts, which continue to be you know, a good flow of those, which is, I think, really important for the future health of the private equity aspect of our sector. If you don't get those management buyouts, clearly you don't then get the secondary buyouts. Um, MyPoz, uh, Advent International, not, not a particularly active player in the UK tech sector anyway, Advent, given the size and importance of that as a private equity firm globally. But they, are, uh, they have um, dipped their toe into the, into the water, as it were, um, with a payments, uh, payments business, My, MyPoz, and that was a deal we think was, was worth about 438 million. So pretty chunky. Another chunky one, uh, Benchmark. This is, a, this is a, a B2B information, more of a me media tech business um, in uh, the EV space. So obviously uh, in the right place to be at the moment. That was a 400 million pound deal from Spectrum, Spectrum Equity. At the smaller end, but also really interesting, I would say a 
classic traditional UK management buyout for Maiden. This is in the healthcare software space. That was by G Square, which is a specialist in this part of the market, and what we think was about a 50 million deal. So good levels of activity, I think, going on in the management buyout space. In secondary buyouts, before I dive into some thoughts on Civica, um, interesting deal, uh, sort of secondary buyout of sorts, Virgin Media O2 sold its uh, £360 million stake in the Towers joint venture, CTIL, uh, valuing that business at about £2.2 billion. So more activity there going on in the sort of Towers telecoms infrastructure space. ISMS Online, that was a secondary buyout from Cow Corner Capital, interesting name, into ECI, no deal value there. That's a network uh, management software business. And Anster, which is e-learning into public sector, um, BGF into YFM at about, we think it was about 25 million. It's quite a small one there in the secondary buyout. But then just to talk about Civica for a minute. So Civica is a, as you may well be aware, is a large uh, software and services business focused primarily on the UK public sector and also internationally, and has been in the partners portfolio for some years now, since 2017. And it, we've been aware that Civica has been trying to do something, partners have been trying to do something for a couple of years now, but have really had a good shove at it this year. And we were really waiting to see where this ended up for a number of reasons, partly just to test appetite generally for these bigger software businesses and also to sort of get some triangulation on what that means for valuations. So what have we got to? So there's no deal value announced, but we're pretty confident the deal value was about 2 billion. Um, that represents 17 times trailing EV EBITDA. That's on the EBITDA number we have on our platform. It might be a little bit lower if you, um, if you add in some of the stuff that private equity firms and advisors tend to add into, EBIT, EV, into EBITDA. Um, so not a million miles away from the multiple that was paid um, by Partners Group when they acquired the business for a billion from OMA's private equity in 2017, we think was about a 15 times trailing EV EBITDA multiple. So that's interesting in itself when you've seen valuations go way up into the 20s and then back down again to the high teens, I think is super significant. And, you know, and this has been a six-year hold for partners. That's quite a long hold, even by today's standards. They have clearly doubled their money on a, cap, on a sort of valuation-to-valuation basis. Obviously, lots more return sort of metrics going on under the covers, which we don't get access to, um, which is obviously not a bad result. But also, for a six-year hold, that's certainly not a home run, I would say. Um, so interesting that... that Interesting for a couple of points. Firstly, on the secondary buyout market, we are now seeing the cork coming out of the bottle, as it were. And I think that that sort of Civica coming out saying, right, we're going to put a stake in the ground. Also coming back on, on the back of Kerridge's deal with Capvest a couple of months ago, uh, which was another one that was what we knew was, was in the offing for quite a while. So we are starting to see the secondary buyout um, kind of machine start moving again. And because it's been so quiet for secondary buyouts for at least a year now, I think next year we're going to see a real kind of flow of them coming out. And I think it's going to be a bit of a bonanza in some ways. The question mark, as always, is what are we going to see in valuations? And I think that Civica coming out, and, and I'm pretty certain if Civica had got done in 2021 at the peak of the market, it would have probably been a 20 times business. And you've got, of course, there, there are implications across the market for that valuation. But three businesses in particular that I would highlight, Iris Advance and Access, um, Iris um, 2018 um, deal, that should be coming out now, kind of. Uh, that was a 19 times trailing deal, we think, in the last round. You know, where's that going to be? I can't see it being massively different from Civica, but we'll see. I'm probably a bit higher. So if you take the same logic as for Civica, and Iris was a d deal at a similar time, you'll probably see a similar multiple for Iris, which is interesting. Um, for Advanced, that was a 20 times trailing deal, we think, in 2019. Again, uh, financial metrics have been quite impacted by some restructuring they're doing in advance. So it'll be interesting to see where that deal comes out. Maybe not necessarily next year, maybe the year after. And the big one's access. 9.2 billion deal right at the peak of the market. Uh, that was a mid-20s run rate, we think. 
uh, 30s trailing EBITDA. And it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see where we get to with access in the next deal, because that was really the kind of one of that and idea gen, I think, were the two kind of peak market deals uh, in 2021-22. So it's going to be fascinating to see how access gets on in its next transaction. So Civica, really important deal. Um, and um, I think that will um, uncork the, uh, to some degree, uncork the secondary buyout um, uh, bottle, as it were. So where do we think of the outlook? Well, I've talked about secondary buyouts, management buyouts. You know, maybe we're maybe seeing a little bit of weakness because, because obviously budgets are still moving around a little bit. But overall, the management buyout market looks pretty solid. And I think we're going to see a really strong year for private equity next year. I think, the, uh, I think some of the weakness that we've seen during the first half of this year already seems to be moderating. And a continuing um, solid MBO market along with um, a much stronger secondary buyout market means I think it's going to be pretty strong. Whether that comes out of the trap straight after Christmas, I don't know. But certainly when we sit here this time next year, I think we'll reflect on really what, what has been a really strong year for private equity. So that's it for private equity. Uh, the other side of the coin uh, from the investor side looking at venture capital is a bit less, uh, a bit less exciting and I'll talk about that next. So while underlying sentiment, I think, in the VC market, as I've said for the last couple of months, I do believe is gradually improving. The deal stats do continue to make quite difficult reading. Um, so there were just 21 deals announced uh, in our world, B2B tech and services, uh, during November. That was down more than half um, on November 2022, and the funds raised were down by a quarter to, to 358 million. Although interestingly, significantly, that was materially higher than October, which was a 200 and something million month. So, you know, there is there are there are some some reasons to be to be cheerful, I guess. Again, one of the really notable factors is the dearth of pre-series A, uh, pre, pre-series A deals, uh, which was a massive sort of growth area in the, in the top of the market. And we're just really only seeing a handful of those deals a month at the moment um, and very small amounts of money going to pre-series A deals where you know, the risk is that much higher, I guess. Um, but we have seen, um, uh, conversely, quite a good improvement in some of the larger deals. Maybe that's just November, maybe it's just timing, I don't know. But three significant deals. And also, interestingly, that they, interestingly, that they are all in fintech, which has been the darling of the sector in the boom times, less so in the, next, in the last few months or, or year or so when people have been refocusing a bit more on, um, on kind of next-gen AI uh, and climate tech type technologies. Um, but we saw a 50, 50 million uh, uh, growth round led by MasterCard for Paysend. Atom Bank raised 100 million led by BBVA. And uh, Finality, very interesting one, this one. Not a business I looked at before. This is a blockchain payments platform backed by pretty much all of the lead. Well, that's not, it's not all of the leading banks, but a, a real kind of who's who of the top banks globally, including Goldman's and various others. That was a £77 million Series B. Um, really interesting to see that that blockchain technology, which has been talked about so much in the last few years, really uh, starting to draw in maybe some, some significant money. Um, so, um, you know, that's, that's kind of all I really want to talk about in terms of the deal activity and venture and growth capital during November. What, what, is, what are we talking about with the outlook? I mean, I think more of what I said last month. I still think we're, at, you know, we're in a, a, a sort of interesting but difficult phase for the venture capital market. And I think there's really sort of two slightly different uh, kind of points to make. Um, one is I do think we are going to see an underlying an, all, an underlying but, but very gradual improvement in sentiment over the next few months. I think we are already seeing that in some areas. But importantly, and this is true probably for across the whole sector, but we're going to see it first in venture capital, is that, that when they build back confidence and deal, value, deal uh, transactions, transaction numbers and, and valuations, etc., it won't look the same as it did before. It's all going to be about in the next phase, chapter two, AI, cloud tech, uh, sorry, climate tech and new areas investment rather than investing in 
yeah, I say vanilla SaaS businesses, that's a bit unfair, but chapter one of the cloud SaaS businesses, it's all gonna be about a change into the newer area when things do come back during next year. And I think that for me is gonna be one of the most important areas to track during next year in VCs. Not the volume particularly of what they're investing in, but what types of business they're investing in, because that will be a signpost for the rest of the industry about where things are going. So that's my thoughts on venture capital. I'll wrap up the show as I always do with a look at what was a really, really quiet month within M&A and then just wrap up on the outlook. So as I've mentioned a couple of times now, really quiet in M&A uh, activity, as I talked about in the key takeaways, a 42% reduction in, in deal volumes in November uh, to just 41 transactions. That's the quietest month I've seen for some time. Um, and uh, as I mentioned previously, particularly marked reduction in ICT services deals, which more than halved to just 17 uh, during the period with, with 42, sorry, 24 in, in the software sector. And, and we're really just seeing a continuation of the downward trend in run rate, volume, kind of M&A activity, particularly in ICT services. And I still think that it's really about the availability of debt. And also to a degree, the lack of secondary buyouts I talked about earlier. If you, if you, you know, a, a, a reset on the balance sheet that's, that, that will happen in a secondary buyout will, uh, will obviously re, typically re-kickstart, re-kickstart, kickstart, a, uh, the M&A program in a lot of these businesses. So I think you know, we're seeing some businesses at late stage of their secondary buyout deals that had been previously very acquisitive uh, that will probably do deals fairly soon that will become acquisitive again, but they're not at the moment. I think that's really impacting volumes. Um, software, actually, a lot of the, uh, a bit more positive in software, 24 deals, not, 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 not a huge amount to write home about, but you know, I think that you know, the big acquirers are, have reset their programs um, and are, are now kind of moving forward. IdeaGen, Access, Iris, um, you know, these guys are moving forward again with, with M&A, um, not to the same degree as they were previously, but definitely in a positive sense. Just a couple of notable ICT services deals to talk about. I, you know, IT consulting is just such a vibrant, I mean, vibrant, you know, it's just so much going on in IT, IT consulting at the moment, as you can, uh, as you can see by the, 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 the amount of work that our, our lead analyst in that area, James Priest, is having to do at the moment. But um, lots of deal flow, um, different trading patterns going on, as I mentioned earlier. But in terms of the two deals worth talking about here, um, um, following the 6.6 and .6 apps broker deals I talked about last month, very significant deal with NTT acquiring the SAP specialist Sapphire Systems. We estimate that deal to be at about 190 million, which would be 17 times trailing EV EBITDA. So that's another, uh, another one of our leading um, IT services specialists going to a, an overseas trade buyer, which is interesting. Um, and we know that Accenture is still very active in the market and looking at a couple of deals right now, which we expect to see announced early next year. Also an interesting and meaningful deal in the data center space, beleaguered London-listed digital infrastructure investor Digital9 um, is selling its investment in Glo Averne Global, which is data, has data centers in Ireland, London, and Finland, and that's selling it to a French infrastructure investor, Ardian, for what was an initial 329 million with another 20 million potentially deferred. So significant ICT services deal there, but the remaining deals pretty much were what I would describe as run rate M&A. So quiet, I think it'll continue to be quiet in M&A, um, uh, for the time being until, as I say, one of the big catalysts will be the secondary buyout reset that I talked about earlier. As those businesses reset, I think the M&A will start to pick up as we go through next year. So looking at the sort of wrapping up, what can we say more about the outlook? As I said, I'll say it one more time, I'm gonna be talking about all of my predictions for 2024 uh, uh, in January, so please tune into that if you can. Um, 
In reality, is I think a large part of the sector really feel quite uh, downbeat at the moment. We had our three uh, big kind of winners' dinners for our awards programs during November, looking at the, the scale-up businesses and emerging stars, Megabyte 50, which is the leading private companies, and Quoted 25, which is, as the name suggests, the quoted companies. And overall, I think talking to a number of CEOs in those businesses and CFOs, that um, and shares, to be fair, uh, that, that, that the, the sentiment is downbeat and people really are feeling quite under pressure at the moment. But, but I'm a, as I always say, I'm a half glass half full kind of guy. I think that the macro environment definitely feels like it's stabilizing. Uh, you know, you've got, a re you know, for the first time in a while, relatively stable interest rates. Um, some debate whether they go up a little bit or start coming down again. I probably think they'll probably stay relatively where they are for now. And so overall, it feels to me like 2024 will probably be a mirror image of 2023. 2023 started reasonably challenging, but it's got a lot more challenging. 2024, I think, will start very challenging, and I think we'll get better as the year progresses. Um, and, uh, you know, tune in in January for more details. So um, that is it for this episode, and that is it for 2023. Thank you all very much for listening this year. I hope you found the podcast uh, useful and informative, and uh, please tell your friends, because we like to get as many uh, listeners as we can. Please enjoy Christmas. H have a very good uh, break. I hope you managed to get a break over the, uh, that, the, the festive period. And I very much look forward to keeping you informed of what's going on in the UK tech sector during 2024. Thank you very much for listening and stay safe.